0: Welcome home to the Tiny Hat Energy podcast. My name is Amanda and my commitment is to be radically vulnerable as I share my story, energy, and love with the intention it will help you as you journey through life. I am on a mission to help create a new world of love where space is saved for everyone's tiny hat energy. My name for the energy present when we embody our most loving, vulnerable, and authentic self. Together, we will walk through both immense suffering From trauma, addiction, incarceration, grief, and mental health, and immeasurable joy, from overcoming suffering, finding my tiny hat energy, and living once-in-a-lifetime experiences. Every moment of my life has been a gift from grace, calling me home to my natural state of love. After almost taking my life in a desperate attempt to stop suffering, I finally woke up and answered that call. I welcome you to join me on this journey of learning, unlearning, healing, and loving, I'm so grateful and humbled that the universe brought you here with me today, and I love you. Welcome back to part two of my story. We are going to go ahead and pick up where we left off last week about surviving addiction and being arrested. If you missed the first episode, I encourage you to go back and listen to that one. It has a lot of great background to how I got to going to prison. When I was arrested, I ended up serving about two years in prison in Arizona and that was the best thing that's ever happened to me and going to prison and having two years to just like sit there and be away from everyone and everything and work on myself and heal was hands down what saved my life. I wouldn't change a single thing about my life, but I certainly wouldn't change anything from that time in being in prison. Now, I would not be authentically sharing my story if I didn't take some time here to be clear that while I am grateful for the opportunity of saving my life that prison brought, the experience of prison itself was immense trauma, completely inhumane. And something that you will hear me talk about a lot in my story because it's absolutely unacceptable that we live in a society where so many people are incarcerated, especially in this country, that we have for-profit prisons, that the women that I was in that prison with, that we endured what we did. And I will get into that more later, but it felt really important to take a second here to acknowledge that while I am grateful for that time in my life, the essence experience of prison itself was absolutely a trauma and something I would not wish on anyone. Which kind of brings to my release, I was released in June of 2016, and really was at a time in my life where I had about 18 months clean, I had extensive debt, destroyed credit, I owed quite large drug fines, 720 hours of community service, three years of probation, I had no money, I had no car, I had multiple felonies on my record And I was sharing a room with my teenage brother at my mom's house. And to say that my life was in shambles, yet also so filled with hope and freedom, is an understatement. And I had a brief relationship after prison, and it feels worth mentioning because this person is someone who will be on my podcast someday to talk about mental health because it's something we share a passion about and while that relationship was only a few months it was definitely something that was really impactful at that phase in my life and during the time that I was dating that person I met my current partner and when that relationship ended actually the day after that relationship ended I entered the relationship with my current partner, Eric, and Eric and I celebrate seven years together tomorrow, (laughs) and kind of coming up on that story before I get into it, I want to talk a little bit about my recovery before really diving into my relationship with Eric because that is the theme of the last seven years of my life and has absolutely shaped me into the woman that I am today. My recovery journey has been interesting and I want to, again, save space for and acknowledge that there are really divided opinions in the recovery community. There are multiple facets of recovery and different models and beliefs on what recovery should look like. If I had to insert my opinions and thoughts, it would simply be, obviously, whatever we are doing in our holistic treatment of addiction is not working So if you find something that works for you, I support it. Don't ever allow anyone to tell you that you're not in recovery because you don't follow the traditional 12-step full abstinence model. Whatever keeps someone from relapsing using the drug that is an issue for them and keeps them from dying is something that I stand behind. This story is my personal journey with recovery. It's my personal opinion on what worked for me. I was learning as I go and I am in no way suggesting that anyone follow my journey. I am in no way suggesting that this is the way to do it or the only way to do it or the way that you should do it. It's just the way that I did it and what I've learned. With that being said, my recovery journey was a little over 18 months. I want to say it was about 20 months of full 100% abstinence from everything and right around that 20-21 month mark I made the decision because Eric was turning 21 that alcohol was not an issue for me holistically. It was not one of my drugs of choice. It was not something I ever really enjoyed. I actually other than that brief stint when I was 19 was just never really a drinker. And I felt that having a drink with my partner on his 21st birthday and having a glass of champagne on my, you know, would-be a few years later wedding day was something that I was in a place to handle. And as I look back on this now, I'm really interestingly able to see that this was kind of my first instance, if you will, of taking my power back. My first instance of choosing not to identify with and believe in the labels and the way things are supposed to be and that you're always going to be an addict and, you know, that you can't, you know, heal from this and reach a healthy place of engaging in the world with substances. So it's kind of interesting to kind of just look back on that now and, see where that started and I think the choosing to lightly introduce alcohol into my life at that time was the start of that behavior. So I decided to introduce alcohol into my life and I preface this with saying that that was done with a lot of intention and boundaries and planning and very slow introduction and it wasn't always smooth, it was definitely a learning curve, but alcohol is something that, you know, that has ebbed and flowed throughout the years, but today I am i don't really drink, but I absolutely have a healthy relationship with alcohol. I then decided at about three years, give or take, clean, that I would introduce marijuana into my life, and that was when I moved to Oregon, and when... I was really kind of looking for relief from a lot of the things that I was struggling with, like anxiety and insomnia, for example. And introducing that into my life was actually extremely positive. I'm a huge advocate for plant medicine. You will hear me talk about that a lot in my story. And that went pretty decently for me. Pretty much from then, I won't get into the details and specifics, but I don't actively identify as an addict. I don't really identify with labels anymore but um, I'm fully aware of what could be should I start to use narcotics again. I identify as recovered and today I am proud to say that tomorrow I will have eight years and six months free from narcotic drugs including meth and heroin and those are kind of my two no-nos. I think it's just kind of important to be clear about what my recovery has looked like. Moving back into my relationship with Eric, kind of a high-level overview of that. And if you want to hear more about that, tomorrow we have a joint podcast launching where we are going to be going through the seven-year journey of all of the things that I'm about to talk about. Because our relationship has been, hands down, the most challenging and beautiful thing of my life even more so than my addiction even more so than all of the other things that I've experienced in my life and so if you want to hear that story and you want a kind of deeper look into love and relationships and the dynamics of that I welcome and invite you to listen to that as well. And you can find it in the same place you are streaming this podcast. It is called the Loving Consciously Podcast. When Eric and I first met, his parents were not supportive of our relationship. I have been with my partner for seven years and I can count on one hand how many times I've spoken to my in-laws. And I can't really say for sure what their thoughts or motivations were, but that situation set the foundation for our relationship and was the initial trauma and was a trauma and caused a lot of conflict between us inside of myself of you know feelings of unworthiness feelings of rejection feelings of abandonment and it's still a challenge that relationship is still not active and is still something that I've had to come to learn to make peace with This feels like a really good time to stop and save some space for that experience of dealing with a situation where parents, for whatever reason, do not approve of their child's partner. And the really intense dynamic that that creates between the two people that are dating, between the parent and child, between the partner and the parents and the other family And it really has just kind of been this massive wound and struggle that we had to work through and we had to learn to overcome and something that we had to kind of release to to the universe, to God or whatever you believe in. And I really just want to send my love and compassion and empathy to anyone out there who has dealt with something similar because... It's really tough when you love someone so much and their family or members of their family don't welcome you and support you into that family. We both went through college together and the stress of being broke college students and of grinding, working multiple jobs. At my peak, I was working three, four jobs trying to pay off all of my fines and debt and save money so that we could move away and start our own life in Oregon. And I just want to take a second here to celebrate a positive and let you all know that during that time, I completed all of my community service. I was released from probation a year early. I never had a single dirty UA. I paid off all of my drug fines. I petitioned to have all of my felonies expunged, and they were. I petitioned for a fingerprint clearance card, was denied, and petitioned to fight that. And one, I was issued a fingerprint clearance card in the state of Arizona, despite having pretty serious sale and transport of narcotics felonies. And I really just share this because I want people to know and understand that your past doesn't define you, and incarceration and addiction do not define you, and these systems are designed to keep people down, to keep people broke, to keep people in the system, and you can get out. You are powerful, and if you are struggling with addiction, incarceration, homelessness, any of those things, please know that there is always hope. There's always a way out, and don't allow anyone in any thing in any of these systems to tell you that you are just an addict, just a felon, just a criminal, just insert label, because you are so much more than that. And just as I have completely overcome and eradicated every part of debt and credit and felonies and probation and all of these things, so can you. And in addition to doing all of that, I went back to school, got my associate's degree, and am now, you know, a homeowner and have so many titles and things and triumphs that I've overcome that I never possibly could have imagined. So you can do it. Early on in our relationship, about a year in, is when the journey with dishonesty and also infidelity started. And I want to be really clear that anything that I am sharing in this, we will dive into and discuss in our joint podcast together and I have full permission from my partner to talk about my truth. It's really important to me that I make it abundantly clear that we don't live in this place anymore and we have worked extensively over the last nine months to break these patterns and heal the traumas and wounds of ourselves, our relationship and other things to overcome this together. And from that kind of one-year mark up until about a year ago, there was a five-year stint where much of the time was plagued with this dishonesty and infidelity and addiction on my partner's side. And that is something that's been a really big theme for us working through this year. And was a big shaper of our relationship and I don't want to get too into things with the story around my partner's addiction that's definitely his story to tell but what I can say for my experience just to kind of start painting the picture of the damage and trauma that came of this was when I learned my partner had this secret addiction that I had no knowledge about was at our six-year and four-month mark. So this would be about December of the end of last year. So this, in hindsight, made a lot of sense, obviously, because the behaviors and issues of our relationship and this chronic dishonesty never made any sense to me. And when I learned of the addiction, I was very acutely and quickly aware of how things had gotten to where they did. Another really big shaper of our relationship was our journey with ethical non-monogamy. And that's something that we very recently came out publicly about to our families. Um, It was a big secret, so much so that for the better part of three years, we had two social media accounts, one for family and one for not family. Because of so much shame and fear and I really hope in hearing us put this story out and put my story out that someone out there listening to this right now knows that you don't need to live in shame. You don't need to live in fear. Your life is yours alone and nothing that you or any consenting adults do is anyone else's concern to judge. And, you know, if they do, that's, that's on them. This kind of brings us up to 2021 and 2021 is where things get really dark, and I think if I had to pick a moment where my dark night of the soul, if you will, started, it was definitely January of 2021. My father died, and I pause there, and I struggle with this still, because I have never publicly come out and talk about this like this, of what happened. My father's death was a murder investigation. I was the executor of his estate. He lived on the other side of the country from me, and had property in another state. So I was dealing with an estate that spanned three states, and dealing with a murder investigation... And dealing with the reality of being a 27-year-old who went to bed one night after singing and dancing around the living room with her partner and her ex-girlfriend and woke up to horror. I will definitely get more into the journey with my father, but that is what started this horrific trail of death. (laughs) 2021 was the year of death. In a nine-month span, we had multiple losses. And I also haven't talked about this, but not even a month after my father passed away, we had a close uncle of ours go missing in Mexico and his car and his wallet were found, and he still has not been two and a half years later. And he was one of the people in my partner's family who loved and welcomed me, and not only loved and welcomed me from the beginning, because, you know, other people did ultimately come around and love and welcome me, but he was someone who I really deeply connected with. We shared a story with addiction and prison and kind of being that person in the family and I really loved him and so losing that in such a tragic way so shortly after losing my father really impacted me and I absolutely want to save some space right now to share the positive message that he shared with us And he would always talk to us about love them anyways. No matter what anyone's done to you, no matter how much they've hurt you, no matter if they're completely in the wrong, love them anyways. And I smile when I think of him here now and this business and this mission that I'm forming around conscious love and around authentic love. And this was the second major loss of the year in not even a month and a half, so That just kind of led into losing another uncle and a friend to an overdose and some really life-changing, life-altering traumatic losses. All of this kind of culminated into one of the darkest nights of my life. And I'm going to be very blunt because I think it's really important and this is the moment, this is the exact moment that suffering consumed me. Or rather, might I say, suffering almost consumed me. What I hope that you all will see in listening to this story is that in this moment of being so close to being consumed by suffering, love broke through and it was the turning point for me. That really was the night that I knew suffering could not be all there was to my story. And so in the fall of 2021, after so many months of just so much tragic loss, I was very mentally unwell. My mental health was completely wrecked. And in the midst of a very highly emotionally charged night, I put a loaded gun to my head with my finger on the trigger in front of my partner. And He fell to his knees and begged me with everything that he had not to. And it was his love and the look on his face that pulled me out in that moment and saved my life. So I want to take a moment here to talk about suicide and suicide awareness and this topic that has been such a big part of my life at multiple points in my life and of my partner's life as well and i will definitely save space in this podcast as it continues in the future for an episode dedicated to this maybe even several but what we wanted to say right now is to anyone out there who is suffering you are not your mind and you are stronger than your mind and no matter how much your mind or the world or anyone or anything tells you otherwise you are worthy of love you are enough and we love you so getting back into it that night with the gun to my head was the moment that my awakening started if you will and it was about two years ago I wasn't always consciously aware and consciously making this my path but that was definitely the start of being willing to do anything to stop suffering. We went on shortly after that, maybe a month or two, um, to get pregnant and this was kind of really a beautiful thing for us and we waited for, you know, five years to try to have a child and We had already picked out her name and already had the nursery and after so much tragedy and loss, it was just such a bright spot and I wasn't going to let myself get excited and I wasn't going to enjoy this and I chose to push through fear and enjoy it and a few days shy of 14 weeks, we lost that pregnancy. I want to take a pause here and take a moment to tell every woman human out there who has experienced pregnancy loss, that I see you, that I see the incredibly harmful ways that the medical system, society, and even other women engage with this topic, that I see the unbelievably large lack of knowledge and conversation around this and how prevalent it is and that I had no idea and that almost everyone in my life came forward to me at that time and said that they had experienced that and how much I advocate for being open and vulnerable about this because we have to stand together and the way that we get support and the way that we heal is as a community. So I send you hugs and I send you love and I see you going through pregnancy loss and going through kind of re-entering back into that suffering and the the toll that that took on our relationship leads us into the beginning of 2022, which is when the awakening really started. And I remember in January of that year, Eric coming to me and he had found some videos on the Law of One, which is essentially, the essence understanding of we are all one everything in the universe is connected and that whole year is really interesting to look back on because it was the worst year of eric and i's relationship and it was the peak of our unhealthy patterns and of just not having the tools or the ability or the resources to break the toxic cycles to break the patterns to heal this genetic energetic bodily stored a brain altering trauma and so while it was such a big year for my growth and my awakening it was a really difficult and toxic and traumatic year for our relationship and it was definitely the year that anger was the theme of my life and that I made really poor choices in not addressing my mental health and succumbing to that anger and anger is something that i have done a lot of work around this year and have come to kind of really understand and zoom out from looking at the generational issues with anger and domestic violence that run on either side of my family and not addressing so much trauma so long on like a true deep energetic level I found myself as a 28 29 year old having issues with anger and being physical when I was angry and rage really and That's something that my partner and I will talk about in our podcast and we'll we'll go into deeper and I will talk about in the future as well. But I just really wanted to save some space for that because in telling this story authentically... I also have to talk about how I found myself on the other side of that coin. So all of this loss, all of this dishonesty, all of this addiction and anger and suicide and all of these things that were going on during those two years of the dark night of the soul led to December of last year, so about eight months ago, our separation. And this moment is when the story changes. And I know that I just listed off a lot of really difficult things, and I hope you know that the purpose of this is to look at the themes of my life and the struggles that I've had and really, in a nutshell, the immense suffering that I have overcome and that you can overcome that immense suffering too. So this will wrap up part two of three and I just want to thank you so much for being here and listening to these last two episodes where I really kind of talked about the first 30 years of my life and a lot of the suffering and struggles and things that I have overcome and I'm going to take the entire next part to focus solely on the last nine months of my life. I'm going to talk about 2023 and what a magical, incredible, once-in-a-lifetime, joy-filled year I have had that led me to creating this podcast and sharing this story with all of you. So thank you and I love you.